Good morning. I'm Chris Farrell, and you're listening to NPR News, and I'm glad you could join us today. Now, there's this pernicious and pervasive stereotype that people in the second half of life aren't creative. And you've probably heard dismissive sentiments at work or maybe at the neighborhood gathering, something along the lines of, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Not true. Negative stereotypes about aging and creativity are wrong on so many levels. The scholarly evidence is convincing that creativity and inventiveness doesn't fade with the accumulation of birthdays. The creative impulse often improves with time and experience. It seems fitting that the words create and creativity come from the Latin words which mean to grow. At any stage of life, including the later years, there can be much joy in learning new skills and talents. You might decide to take up painting, learn how to play a musical instrument, or take lessons in writing computer code, perhaps developing an app for family and friends. Sometimes you return to an earlier passion late in life. A former financial planner and retirement coach I know, he played the cello when young, but, you know, family, work responsibilities, he largely stopped playing. He took it up again later in life and eventually joined an orchestra of peers. Learning something new and exercising your creativity is good for your mental and physical health. You may also develop new friendships and connections, discover a new community of enthusiasts, and perhaps find a talent you never knew you had. So let's explore building new skills in the second half of life. And we want to hear from you. Are you learning a new skill later in life? Tell us about why you picked that particular creative activity to explore. What has been your experience? Did you find a community of like-minded learners? And what would you recommend for people wondering how to get started learning something new and unfamiliar? The phone lines are open. Call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. And now I want to bring in our guests, and both of them are here in the studio. Kate Schaefers is the director of the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of Minnesota. She also serves on the AARP Executive Council in Minnesota. Welcome. Thank you, Chris. Andrea Leap is a voice instructor at McPhail Center for Music and teaches in the Music for Life Department, a music education program for people 55 years and older. She recently co-led the first musical theater camp for older adults offered on Madeline Island through McPhail. She is also an adjunct faculty member at the University of St. Thomas. Glad you could join us. Thanks for having me. All right. So... Let's see. I'm just going to start with some basic questions. Start with first with you, Kate, and then same question to you, Andrea. Okay. Why is it important to learn new skills with age? So there's a lot of reasons why it's important, but if you want to be staying active and physically connected with the world, um, lifelong learning is key. Uh, lifelong learning offers us the ability to stay cognitively sharp, socially sharp, mentally sharp. And so all of those reasons are a good reason to invest in lifelong learning. Andrea? I think all of that is so important and piggybacking on that, you know, as we age, we sort of feel our worlds contract a little bit Um, through no fault of our own. We may lose mobility or energy or we may have visual impairments or things like that. And that's a really that's bad for morale, (laughs) if nothing else. Um, And it feels like learning things can really show you the possibilities of how your world can still expand. Um, and how you don't have to be limited uh, in ways that you may have have perceived um, that you are limited. Well, uh, you know, tell us a little about this uh, first musical theater camp for older adults on Madeline Island. I mean, my experience in Madeline Island is Tommy's burned out bar. That's about <laughs> as far as I got. But tell us about this. 
Sure. So McPhail has a chamber music camp um, on Madeline Island, and this year we expanded it to try and create an offering uh, through the Music for Life program. And in particular, we were interested in doing a musical theater intensive. Um, And so we had 12 students who came up for several days, um, and we worked on group numbers, and we worked on solo numbers, and we worked on music theater history and skills. Um, And it was an opportunity for them to really focus on exploring what those would be and what they could achieve. And we were really happy with how uh, brave uh, and vulnerable people were willing to be. Um, And beyond that, I think... Uh, as as Kate alluded to, the social connections, the bonds that they created with each other and the trust and the generosity that they exhibited towards each other was really, I think, perhaps even more beneficial um, than the actual achievement uh, musically. Although that was not negligible. Um, I have to say I was very proud of, of what they were <laughs> able to achieve musically, too. Um, but of course, we really want that um, for them to be a rewarding personal experience. And Kate, what are some, I mean, music is, uh, is an obvious one. I think I had the banjo is on my list of, of things to pick up. But uh, what are some of the other things that you find uh, people want, to, creative activities that people want to explore? So one of the keys is really engaging in what's called cognitively stimulating activities. So they're activities that allow you to stretch yourself, to grow, to challenge yourself, um, and also to enjoy that process. And so finding those things in your life that you love to do, even if you're not good at it, because that doesn't really matter. I mean, the stakes are low. It's more about the process than the outcome. And so, you know, if you love to paint, or you used to love to paint, but you don't think you're very good at it, that doesn't matter at all. It's the process of trying it, uh, perfecting a craft, you know, just working to stretch yourself and to get better is really important. And what about the, the st- is there a stigma to people sort of, why, why, are you, why, why are you doing this? Why, at your age, who's going to pay to go see you? Well, and I think that gets to a larger question of um, why do we feel people are entitled to take music lessons, right? Is it only the people that are going to be America's next great rock star? Because that's not actually that many people, <laughs> regardless right. of their age, um, unless you're Mick Jagger, I guess, still doing it out there today. Um, but I guess I really... Or on my late night walks. <laughs> well, that too, that too. I, I really appreciate that people are willing to take it on without that ego trip, right? They're at a point in their lives where they're doing it for the joy of it or the love of it or the curiosity. And that to me is some ways maybe more pure, a study of it. And I guess that's very beautiful and inspiring to me. And Kate, what do you see? Yeah, so I also agree with that, that, you know, there's a freedom that comes with not having to prove yourself at a stage of life. And I think that openness to stretching and trying something, and it doesn't matter if you are really good at it, but if you enjoy it, it's worth it. And it's good for you. And it's also, I think, contributing to the community. So let's go to, let's go to the phone lines now. Let's take, take some questions. So let's go to Jackie in St. Paul. And Jackie, what is your experience? Oh, this is so much fun. This is so appropriate. Um, I discovered African drumming. It was listed in the Highland Community Ed. And I've been taking it, um, this will be my third session, and it is so much fun, and you feel so successful, you know, even though you're not a rock star. It's just <laughs> wonderful. And um, 
I also have discovered, I'll put a plug in for the Women's Drumming Center, which has been around for 30 years. And you check them out, and they teach um, drumming to women. And then they do have some um, mixed um, sessions where you know men are, you know, men come. And besides African drumming, they do snare drumming and all sorts of other instruments. So you and like then, drumming? Is, you definitely that that is what you've been drawn toward. Yep. And then once a month, we discovered a man in um, Red Wing who brings his drums around to various senior centers. And so he was here yesterday, and he gets us playing a drum circle for a, an hour. And he is the drummer, from, former drummer for the Loving Spoonful. So we really have a talented drummer who comes. Well, but um, it really, it really is, a, you know, a successful endeavor, and it just—it's um, good for your mind, and it's good, you know, upper body exercise. Well, thank you so much for for calling in and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. So, Kate. I think that that's fabulous. So, Jackie, as I'm listening to you, it's, you know, not only are you enjoying learning a new skill, but you're also connecting with other people. And as Andrea and I had talked about before this, uh, you know, there's something special about that, that music together that can really just fill your heart. And that percussion is really powerful. There's so much physicality, especially with something like drumming or singing. Um, and that's really great to have all of these different elements of your self so engaged, right? Your physical being, your spiritual being, your emotional being. And then, of course, you're listening and you're taking in the community around you. It's really very absorbing, which is also a delightful thing to find at any age. So let's go to Rick in uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota. And Rick, what is what is your what, what are you doing? Well, I, I retired a couple of years ago from the financial service industry, and I uh, before that I was a commercial pilot and teacher, and um, I own a couple of airplanes, and I always respected and admired the maintenance side of the aviation world, and I'm not mechanically inclined at all. My wife, you know, puts in the light bulbs and things like that around the house, <laughs> but I I decided to. Um, go to a, a Votech school, which is about 40 miles away every day, and I'm taking aviation maintenance technology. And um, I figure I'll, it'll take me, the two-year program will take me four years because I'm just going in the afternoons. But um, I really enjoy it. I'm around a lot of young kids, and uh, it's challenging my mind. And uh, my attitude is I don't got to do it. I get to do it. And uh, when I frame it like that, uh, I'm just having a blast. I'm not. I'm not uh, an A student by any means, but uh, I, I, I'm out working everybody. That's for sure. Well, I'm sort of curious. I mean, I can kind of I can visualize this. So, what is it that you enjoy about this? I mean, I, it's, is it like a puzzle that you need to solve? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. Um, yes, it is. It's it's more about confidence. Um, I've always lacked that mechanical intuition and that confidence it takes to take a carburetor apart or you know put the cables on the battery or and and I really wanted to gain that confidence so it was a little bit of a lack of confidence that drew me to it but also I have a 14 year old boy who's in uh, a freshman in school and as a retired uh, older parent you know, I didn't want him seeing me just sitting around watching cable news all day long. Mm -hmm. um, 
I thought, you know what, I'll listen to NPR and crack the books, and uh, he'll see me studying and working hard. And, you know, and I didn't do great on my first test, and I got to share that with him. And, you know, believe it or not, he sat down at the kitchen table with me and helped me on some of the math formulas that I was struggling with. And, um, you know, it, it's been kind of an engaging uh, relationship, you know, from a scholastic perspective. Ah, I love that. Thanks so much for calling mm-hmm. in, oh, Andrea. That's, yeah. that's such a great story, Rick. And I, what I love hearing is that you're you're approaching something that you know has been challenging to you. And we see this all the time uh, with our music students who are older adults, where they come in and they express, you know, this sense of, oh well, I've I've had this voice for seventy years, and I know its limitations. And then they find out that in fact. They're capable of things with their voice that they didn't know that they could do. And I have a student, for instance, I'm not sure exactly how old she is, but it's around 80. Um, and she is singing notes that she had never sung before. And to see her surprise uh, and delight um, in finding out that there are things sort of beyond her own imagination of her capabilities, I think that's truly empowering. And, and, and to Rick's point, this confidence that that builds, um, that there's still an ability to grow. Um, I think that's really important just for our mental health. And Kate, I want to build off something Rick said I think is really important. He talked about the intergenerational component here, you know, with, with his son and you know, they're learning together, they're making mistakes together, but this intergenerational side of this whole experience. Yeah, I think that is tremendous. And so, Rick, you mentioned that with your with your son, he's tutoring you. And so recognizing that we all are learners, we all have something to learn from each other. And there's such an energy that comes with connecting across generations around learning. And, um, and you're finding that too, just even being on a college campus and being in classes with young adults. So, you know, you're learning alongside people. And so it is, you know, you're growing just like they are. So we're going to get to some more calls, but I would just do the call out again about, you know, are you learning a new skill later in life? Tell us about why you picked a particular creative activity to explore. You've already heard some wonderful stories. You want to hear more. Uh, Give us a call. 651-227-6000-800-242-2828. And now let's go to Steve in South Minneapolis. And Steve, what is your creative activity? Well, hi, Chris. Chris and Kate, this is Steve Jewell. Uh, we both know each other from past experiences. Uh, my creativity has really been tapped by uh, plunging into Lake Harriet, uh, South Minneapolis Lake. I've been doing this now for three years, and it's a, kind of a daily practice of uh, walking into the north beach of Lake Harriet, and then when it freezes, we actually cut a hole in the ice, and uh, working with the park board have found a way to kind of make it a safe, fun way for building community and having a daily practice of getting outdoors and being, as you talked about earlier, with multi-generational participants, people from 18 or 16 all the way up to 65 and and older. So it's been a fun way to meet people. It's given me some daily activity to be outdoors in our robust winters that we have, and it kind of challenges your ability to intolerate uh, discomfort but also fight off um, infection and help with mental acuity. So it's been a great community builder. Last year, over a 1,000 people jumped into Lake Harriet. I expect that number to probably double this year. 
Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad that I've actually I've stood on the side uh, while they're doing that. I watched this happen, and that's exactly where I'm going to stay, Steve. But thank you very much for calling in. That's great, Kate. Yeah, Steve. Good to hear from you. And uh, you know, I've been so fascinated with people who are doing this. I, I love that you've built such a community around this, Steve. Yeah. And it is fascinating that the way that people have connected that. Um, I've been so intrigued, though, that we have invited Steve to come teach for Osher Lifelong Learning Institute to come talk to us about why he's doing this and what are the benefits of it. Um, because like you, Chris, I have a hard time understanding it. <laughs> there you go. So now I'm curious, put you both on the spot. Um, is there a skill that you would like to learn? that you don't you have not mastered or you haven't you know uh, pursued at at this point Andrea Oh absolutely so a couple of weekends ago I'm 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 now the proud owner of a circular saw and a jigsaw and uh, I would really like to spend some time figuring out how to use them to to build some things around the house and to do some woodworking and crafting and things like that I've always been interested in how that could come together and uh, started I've got my first uh, creation which was a little rough going I'll say uh, but I got a radiator cover out of it so yeah I'm excited to, cool. to figure yeah. it out yes yeah. cool Kate and I want to refinish furniture and so um, I, I have we never done it together yes I've never done it and I just have been um, interested in learning so I'm watching a lot of videos and just getting a sense of just what do you need to do and what supplies you need to be picking up let's go to Mike in Mendota Heights and Mike uh, what are you doing well, hi. Yeah, thanks for taking the call. Yeah, um, several years ago, my siblings and I were all retired, and we now uh, at the, uh, we got together and wrote a family history um, and slash memoir and uh, put it into book form and self-published it. We got it done a year ago, and uh, it was a real unique experience because um, we were able to solve some mysteries about our ethnicity and because our grandparents had come from the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Um, and we wrote our memoirs, and I think we each came away with a better understanding of our siblings, who we've known for so many years. And it was a good, it was just very, uh, it was a good way to get to know each other and sort of reconnect. And and uh, anyway, it, uh, and then by doing... Um, a four-part memoir, we were able to actually corroborate each other's stories. And so it was much more accurate than if it had been done simply solo. Anyway, it was a very good experience. It's very cool. So how did the idea come about? The idea actually has been floating around the family for years. It started out as a family history project. Um, Our grandparents came from western Ukraine, right on the Polish border, and so you'd ask one cousin, in the, when they emigrated, it was the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and so you'd ask one cousin, well, what's our nationality? And they would say, oh, we're Austrian, and somebody would else, else would say Polish. And So I always felt that it was probably Ukrainian. There were a number of indicators. So anyway, um, it's, it started out to solve a mystery, and it turned into more than that. And then along the way, over the years, my sister worked in Warsaw for several years and was able to do some research on site there. And so to answer your question, Chris, it just 
it started out as a way to solve a mystery, and it turned into more than that. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for calling in. I, I love that. Um, so let's go. All right, let's go to Tom, who I understand is on the road in, in Iowa. Is that correct, Tom? Uh, that's correct. Can you hear me? Yep, hear you fine. So what what is your uh, what is your experience? Well, um, I'm from St. Paul, but I, I started a road trip this morning. Um, but I'm I'm involved in a I'm semi retired. I'm involved in a number of different um, sports. I love to participate in sports. But about a year and a half ago, I took piano lessons, um, and uh, I've always loved music, and I've always loved the piano in particular, and I absolutely uh, love uh, taking uh, lessons and practicing. I'm the only one who can stand to listen to the music that I play, but I don't care. I'm just enjoying it so much, and I would recommend... um, highly to your listeners uh, try something uh, it, it's just so rewarding and I endorse it completely well safe travels and thanks for, for calling in and I have a feeling eventually a lot of people are going to want to listen to, to what you're playing now I want to go to the callers quickly because I want to hear more of these stories but first uh, start with you Andrea then you Kate reaction to what you've heard so far well I've I love that people like Jackie with the African drumming and um, and Rick learning his uh, um, aviation mechanics. It's like they started with one idea of what they wanted to try, and then it took them in another direction and yet another direction. And this became a, a project or something that was more integrated in their life. And it, it reminds me of this student we had at McPhail who started voice lessons because while he was in his 70s, his mother was in her 90s. And her request to him was that she wanted him to come and sing to her. And he thought, oh, I can't do that. I sound terrible. I got to take voice lessons. So he took voice lessons and found a community there and started singing with some of his friends in class. Um, And then after that, went on to sing in a choir. And this has become a really integrated and important social part of his life, not to mention musical and engaging part of his life, but just from that little entryway. And it sounds like a lot of these callers have that, this, oh, I'll try that. And then it it grows um, in ways that they hadn't foreseen or imagined. And I think that's just marvelous. Kate? Yes, I totally agree. And I think we all heard the passion that every one of those callers uh, had in their voices as they talked about what they were doing. And I think, too, it's um, I'm struck by the range of options that they pursued. And so it's not just one thing. You know, music is obviously a really um, great way to pursue um, interests and also to to keep your brain sharp, but there's so many other ways you can do it, whether it's learning um, mechanics, you know, as we heard from Rick or um, sports. And I know we didn't really talk about it, but, you know, things like pickleball are really great for us. And I know a lot of you out there are um, fans of pickleball, but it's mind, you know, you have to look at your coordination. You have to also look at and hand eye coordination, um, your balance, it's social, you know, it's fun. And so that those are the kinds of things you want to be bringing into your life deeper dives into things not passive learning but active learning okay so let's go to uh let's go back to the callers and let's start with susan in west st paul and susan what is your observation 
Oh, well, hi. Um, I'm really enjoying the conversation uh, that you're having today. Um, I've been a full-time graphic designer since the mid-'80s, um, and uh, I'll be 59 this year, so this isn't necessarily something uh, related to being retired, uh, but what it basically is is um, my efforts to stay relevant in my industry uh, and, um, you know, kind of uh, – uh, sort of um, get rid of the can't teach an old dog new tricks. The ages. Um, I within the past year, um, year or so, probably uh, maybe a little year and a half. Um, I've uh, learned how to do digital animation and edit video, um, which has made me more valuable actually to my uh, my current employer. Um, and I started out, it was super hard and, and learning the new, uh, software and, and learning the new, um, techniques and things like that. But the more I did it, the more I wanted to do it. It was, it was just so engaging and so much more challenging than the, the regular graphic design work I was doing. And I, uh, I had a, a, my annual review uh, yesterday with my uh, boss, and she's actually wanting me to move into doing more video and less of the regular graphic design. So I actually won an award recently for uh, animation that I did on a, on a digital video that my employer had submitted to um, uh, the Telly Awards. So it was just something that, again, started out as I have to stay relevant in my industry, but now it's, it's just become something that I am looking forward to learning more and more and more uh, yeah. as I go on. Well, thank you so much. Congratulations on, on your review. And uh, I'm really glad that, that you called in with this because, you know, a large part of empl- many employers have this stereotype, this prejudice that if someone starts having gray hair, has white hair, that they're not going to be creative, that they're not going to be able to learn new things. And part of this is the subtext of this whole conversation. And Kate, I know you have done a lot in this area. Absolutely. And especially with regards to technology. So we have a lot of stereotypes that older adults can't learn technology. They're not good at it. And I just want to say, we all have to stay up on technology. Young people don't know every technology application. And so it's really an issue of, you know, we learn things that we need to use as tools. And, you know, Susan, you mentioned working hard to learn it, and you succeeded, and you're very talented at it. So recognizing that we all can learn things that we need. And we're when we're motivated, and we work hard, we can be just as strong and just as talented as young people. Yeah, and you know, you know, combating ageism in the workplace. I mean, that's really what she was doing. Absolutely. I think it's marvelous to have that sense of of confidence and competence as well. Oh, if I can learn this new thing, well, then I could also learn the next new thing. It's less uh, daunting. So let's go to uh, let's go to Debbie in Edina, and uh, Debbie, what are you doing these days? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. About five years ago. Um, having had a lifelong desire to learn how to dance, but for various reasons didn't happen. I started ballet lessons, which I've continued, uh, and then I took up tap, which I'm also continuing. And you really enjoy these? I love them. Um, Ballet is intricate and precise and terrific exercise. I've made great new friends. And tap's mostly... Just a heck of a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
great. Thanks so much for calling in. That's something a little bit different. And now let's go to uh, let's go to Eve in Maple Grove. And Eve, what act, what creative activity are you pursuing? A whole lot, but the one that's gotten me in the most trouble is unicycle. Unicycle. Yeah, I'm I'm 53, and I've always wanted to learn how to do a unicycle. And I, I know I've got good balance, so I gave it a shot. I knew that um, there was there had to be a club locally, so I Googled them, and I found them. But I found them just in the weeks leading up to their hosting unicycle nationals. So I only got to go over there twice, and I did uh, hurt myself just a little bit, just a little bit. So... I went back twice, um, not not really feeling the injury, and tough to tell you, I do need to go back and complete my task of learning it so I can go purchase my own and unicycle around my neighborhood because it looks like so much fun that that's my goal for the year. But after I learned, after I did hurt myself and they were on doing the nationals, I forgot I was hurt, and I went and ran my first race. So. Like I said, I'm 53, and I ran a 100-meter race, and I was the oldest one in the in the Church Olympics for, for my age group, and I came in third. Hmm. And like I said, I forget that I'm hurt, and even though I have this boot on, last Friday I did my first 18-hole round of golf because I don't know how to golf, but I did it anyway. Congratulations. And I love gotta it. Got to do new things. Got to yeah. do it. Yes, you do. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Um, let's take one more call, and then I'm going to turn to to Andrea and Kate to, to get their their reactions. Um, let's go to let's go to Paul in Minneapolis. And and Paul, what is your story? Um, my story is that um, when I was a small child in elementary school, um, my teacher in uh, chorus just turned to me and screamed at me and, and, and told me to stop, scream, stop singing. And um, I got the idea that I, I shouldn't sing, and yet I, I wanted to. And, but that, that stayed with me. And, and when I was, uh, would sing sometimes, I, I, people would laugh at me um, because I had that. Hmm. But then as I became an adult, um, there were there were some times when I would just forget myself, and I would start singing. And I, I actually have people turn to me and and tell me how much they enjoyed it. You know, I mean, it even happened last year when I was working uh, before I retired, and and uh, the, my class I was with was in a music class, and I just started singing the scale and. The teacher told me how, afterwards how, how good that was. And I really enjoy it sometimes, and yet it's hard to get over this. Yeah. And so I, I'd like to, I'd love to get uh, a really encouraging singing teacher or be in an encouraging situation. Okay. Um, well, I think I have in the studio with me an encouraging uh, teacher, so... Oh, Andrea? Oh, Paul, you break my heart. Um, this happens a lot. We see this a lot where we see students later in life who've been told that they, quote, don't have enough talent and they should be quiet or they shouldn't participate. And 
And we really don't believe those limitations are real. We really believe that we can help you with things like that and that music is for everyone and um, and that with some help and encouragement and your curiosity and time, those things can be um, addressed and, and improved upon. And so I'm just delighted that you've had some feedback which counteracts that negative um, information that you got early on in life. And I would encourage you uh, to seek out uh, some instruction because I just know um, that if you love it, that you can do something with it that will be um, of value to you. And Kate, I imagine that you, you know, you come across people who had, you know, some negative feedback when they were younger. Oh, you're, you can't do that or you don't have any talent. Uh, And then it's haunts them when they're older. Absolutely. And I think a common one is that you can't do math, especially if you were a girl growing up, that math was not something that girls do. And so I think a lack of confidence is definitely there. And it's really fascinating because with Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, we have especially one of our professors, although we have a couple of them, um, who teaches about math. And he taught a whole class on prime numbers. And people loved it, you know, coming back and learning things that realizing that it's not this scary thing that we're not good at. Um, He's actually going to teach a course this fall on um, programming with Scratch and helping grandparents program with their grandchildren. So it's, you know, I think it's, it's go for it. You know, Paul, I, I really do also encourage you seek out lessons, you know, sing, sing out loud. You know, it's, it's beautiful that you're pursuing that. Yeah. So let's go to uh, Ruth in South Minneapolis. And um, Ruth, what are you up to? Well, I, uh, I'm i 61, and so I'm not quite retired yet, and I'm not planning on retiring right now. Um, I finished uh, an education at um, uh, Minneapolis College. It was called MCTC before down in on Hennepin in Minneapolis and um, I came, we came, we moved to Minneapolis six years ago and uh, I have a young son we adopted as a child from birth when I was and I was 48 then and so but we had we had to move my husband lost his job and we moved to Minneapolis six years ago and so by then my son was uh, Seven, and then uh, around uh, two years later, I found this program because I'd gotten into um, making costumes at a middle school theater program, and it was fantastic. It was like everything that I'd ever done just came together. And so I wanted to, when we moved up here, I wanted to see if there was any kind of education that I could uh, learn more, and especially learn to make patterns. And so I did, and I found uh, the apparel program at MCTC, and I finished the program in two and a half years, and I will just absolutely recommend it for anybody, even just taking um, just specific subjects that you're interested in, just going to the community colleges, because and there's even classes that I believe are free after you are over a certain age. And you can follow the classes and you can be inspired and learn stuff. And it's amazing. But I took, I actually took an associate's degree and uh, finished and I was on Dean's list and very proud because I've never taken education in the U.S. before. And so it also has become an inspiration for my son and a discussion between us because he's seen me struggle 
finishing my assignment and all that. And now I can help him. Ah, well, congratulations. And thanks so much for, for calling in. And Kate, there's a number of things that, that in, in, in her story. Yes. Well, one thing I'd like to mention, Ruth, is just that, uh, you know, like your experience, many older students really excel when they go back to college. And so, you know, if you're thinking about taking college courses, don't hesitate. You know, you you can do this and you can learn alongside younger students. But I also do want to mention, so at the University of Minnesota, we do have a program called the Senior Citizen Education Program. And if you're 62 and older and a Minnesota resident, you can enroll in many, many courses for free. And so that is just a benefit of being a Minnesota resident. Um, we also have, I mean, our OSHA Lifelong Learning Institute, we have non-credit courses across, uh, we, we have hundreds of courses we offer every year across a lot of different areas. And some of them are single sessions, but a lot of them are seven sessions long. So you can really do a deep dive into those kinds of courses. So don't hesitate to find those opportunities, whether it is in traditional higher education through the classroom or lifelong learning in the community or a program like ours at Osher Lifelong Learning. And Andrew, I mean, money can always be an issue. But it does seem like there are a lot of avenues for instruction, community, finding an outlet. Some may be more expensive than others. Um, but there seems to be a, a lot of activity in town. Oh, absolutely. And around the state, too. Oh, and I think that a lot of people are, especially taking up a musical instrument, that seems like, oh, there's so much startup cost. You know, I have to get an instrument. I have to get the lessons. I have to. And uh, just to to make sure that everybody is aware, we have very healthy uh, financial aid uh, packages available at McPhail and also, of course, senior citizen discounts as well. So let's go to... uh... Let's go to Gary in St. Anthony Village. And Gary, what are you up to these days? Good morning. I'm enjoying your show. Um, my my passion uh, has been solving crossword puzzles for all my life. And uh, the past, uh, about 10 years ago, I thought to myself, well, why don't I, uh, instead of just solving them, why don't I try and create them? And uh, I've been submitting puzzles to the New York Times, and uh, unfortunately they've denied me four times, but I'll still keep submitting them. Uh, I've had my puzzles critiqued from my friends, and they all say they enjoyed doing it, and uh, keep keep uh, keep on it, and so uh, I will. It it keeps my mind sharp, and I really enjoy doing it. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, keep doing it. I love this. You 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 have something that you like doing, so why not create it, Andrea? Yeah, persistence is is everything, right? And if you have the uh, the motivation to persist, then you absolutely should continue. That's wonderful. And take a passion to the next level. And so let's go now to Sherry in Bawadik Township. Did I say that correctly, Sherry? Bawadik. Bawadik. Sorry. Sorry about that. Up on on the Iron Range. Oh, okay. So uh, tell us about what you're doing. Well, I'm 62. I've had MS for just about 25 years. Stopped working in 2013. So I've had to keep 
well, I wanted to keep myself learning and moving and doing things, but the pandemic really changed everything because I'm on all these immune suppressant drugs. So my husband and I went two winters ago down to Mexico. A friend had a house, so we went there just to be safe and and um, away from the winter. And I took a mandolin that I had purchased for him years ago because he's a singer-songwriter, and I started learning to play the mandolin and started singing with him. And he is loving it so much that for our 40th anniversary this year, he bought a new guitar for him and a new brand-new lower mandolin for me to encourage me to keep going. So I'm taking, I'm learning on YouTube, which found an instructor, and um, I'm taking lessons from a gentleman on there and um, supporting him a little bit in his Patreon site. And along with going to Mexico, my husband and I are also doing Babel and learning how to speak Spanish. I love it. That's great. And what a, and that's a good gift. I like that. So thanks so much for calling. Thank you. So now let's go to Lori, and uh, I have a feeling there's going to be another uh, town that I'm going to mispronounce, Rosholt, South Dakota. Is that correct? Ross, Rossholt. Ross, oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so what have you been up to, Lori? Well, 10 years ago, at the age of 55, I moved to Morocco on my own and started a business there. I've, I'm a lifelong artist. Uh, so I've done all sorts of crazy jobs, you know, to pay the rent <laughs> over my life. And at 55, I had just traveled a little bit, and I had always wanted to live someplace else. And when I went to Morocco for a three-week vacation, I knew it was the place, and I knew it was the time because I was 55. And I formed a business partnership with a man in Morocco. We opened a cafe. Uh, it's been a huge success. Now, we did, we were closed for 14 months over the pandemic. And we're currently closed again, doing um, the repairs on the building that are necessary to open safely after the, the earthquake there in Marrakesh. And I'll be going back home from Ross Holt in about a week and a half and can't wait to get there. It's been a fabulous experience. I learned skills that I never would have imagined I, I needed <laughs> as an artist. So it's, but it's been a good experience and I look forward to the next 10 years. And you know, Kate, Laurie's story is, is a little bit unusual because it's a cafe in Morocco. But as you know, the trend, you know, entrepreneurship is a very creative activity. And the surge in entrepreneurship among people 55 and older, about a quarter of all new businesses are formed by people in the 55 to 64-year-old age group. And that's up from about 14 15% in the late 1990s. Yeah, and that population is ideally suited for starting new businesses when you think about it from the creativity perspective, but also being able to harness their years of experience, their networks, and being able to um, look at creating something new and building on that is, you know, older adults are really prime candidates for entrepreneurship. Plus, it also entrepreneurship can give you the lifestyle you want. And so for people who are interested in maybe leaving a corporate job and going into something where they have more control over their time, and and the direction they go, um, entrepreneurship is a great option. So let's go back to the phones. And let's talk to Barbara in Minneapolis. And Barbara? What, hi. Hi, what are what, 
What is your experience? Well, I just wanted to share that um, my mother, when she was 86, she went into memory care. And um, that was in the summer. Well, in December, we started coloring um, during the pandemic. And we uh, didn't really like some of the stuff we were coloring. But then uh, we found these great books because we're Swedish American heritage. And they were all of those beautiful doll horses. And so we used markers, and we never used crayons when we colored, but we used markers, and we just had the best time. Like once a week, I'd go visit her, and we'd set up the table, and we would just color. And we didn't necessarily have, you know, conversation that much. We just sort of enjoyed our time together. And so we were able to do that for a little over two years, and she passed away just this last spring. But we, she was able to finish the book, and, you know, we just had so much connection and fun together well thank you so much for calling in and uh i'm sorry for the passing of your mother but it really sounds that you had a you you had an incredible time together and uh yes and i recommend it too to people for people to do that (laughs) well thank you you very much thanks so much for calling in and now let's go i think this is going to be our last call so we have to keep it kind of kind of short let's go to charles and alexandra and quickly what is your experience charles Hey, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, my experience is uh, over COVID, I decided at the age of uh, 53 years old to get my pilot's license. Ah, and uh, has this been a lifelong dream? It, it has. It, uh, I'll make it quick, but it started fresh out of high school. I wanted to be an aviation mechanic. I went to a vocational school to take a test and told them that I had a dyslexia, a learning disability. And at that time, that wasn't widely known. And uh, he didn't say this exactly, but he asked me if I was mentally challenged. That's not the word he used. And as and told me mentally challenged people don't work on airplanes. And that statement largely affected my life after that. I, I didn't know what to do. I left and never pursued it. So at 53 years old, I decided that that one statement wasn't going to affect my life any further, and I was going to get into aviation and do something I really loved. And well, I, I did it. I'm glad you did. <laughs> I'm glad you did. And uh, thanks so much for calling in. So we're running, you know, we got about 15 seconds each. Quick final reaction, Kate? I just loved hearing all these stories. And I just, if you're a lifelong learner, I also encourage you to find those communities where you can continue to learn. Um, I'd like to just put a plug in for OSHA Lifelong Learning Institute. Our website is Ollie, O-L-L-I dot U-M-N dot E-D-U. And also just really briefly too, um, AARP has been doing some really fascinating work around um, mental, or excuse me, on brain health. And there's a conference at Mayo coming up in um, November that focuses on that. So that would check it out. Well, I think we're at the end here, and uh, I want to thank both our guests. Kate Schaefer is director of the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of Minnesota, and Andrea Leap is the voice instructor at McPhail Center for Music and teaches in the Music for Life. This conversation was produced by Matt Alvarez. I'm Chris Farrell. I'm sitting in for Angela Davis, and she'll be back on Monday. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.